Hello, I'm Pastor Rob Spencer of Church United. We are excited because God is at work in our community of Christ followers. And it is my hope that God works in your life as you listen to this message today. If you'd like more information about Church United, please visit us at churchunited.family. Happy Sunday. I, I love Sunday. It's my favorite, favorite day of the week. Um, not only do we get to just hang out with family and one another, but we get to worship the Lord together, and uh, that's, that's what we're here for. At, at Church United, I don't know what church you've been involved in or where you come from, or if you, maybe this is your first day, you've never been in church. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. Uh, but our goal and our heart here at Church United is to connect with our God and Savior, our Creator. Last week, we talked about purpose, uh, and, the, and really the idea here that, that we landed on was that we are all on purpose. Um, I want to pull this out, not because it means anything, but if you see this round thing, I'm not smoking, or, or I'm not chewing, you know, I'm not a dipper. Uh, I had this in my pocket last week right here, and someone's like, what you got in there, a can of snuff? I'm like, yeah, it's my emergency can. Um, you got, yeah, I need my nicotine around you people. Uh, no, I'm just going to pull that out. And... Anyway, uh, so we talked about purpose, and we talked about the idea that, that you're not here by accident. Not, not only in this room are you not here by accident, but you're not here in this world by accident. We have to understand that God has created us all on purpose. Um, so if you've ever struggled with that and you've ever wondered, what in the world am I doing here? Why? God's put you exactly where you are in this world, uh, in, in the family you're in, in the situation you're in, that he can use all of the things that have happened, even when they were something that uh, what the Bible says uh, in Joseph, we talked about last week in the story uh, that, of Joseph's life, in, uh, was that what Satan means for evil, God can use for good. So no matter what you've walked through, where you are right now, God can use whatever you've been through on purpose to change your life and to make you uh, understand that you were created in the image of God, that you are a bearer of the image of God, that you uh, are, the Bible tells us, and I think it's the book of Colossians, you are a masterpiece of God. How exciting is that? It's good to know, right? It, yeah, like I, I have value. I have worth in the eyes of the creator of the universe. So we talked about that. Now, now I, I want to jump in today because uh, I, I don't want to spend too much time. I, I had some things I wanted to share with you specifically, and, but I'm really going to start with this question because I think it's something we can relate with. Have you ever felt depleted? Like just, some of you look depleted, um, you know, <laughs> you've been depleted this whole time. You're like, what are these people getting all this excitement from? All these smiles. But have you ever just felt completely wiped? Just, you're just done. You're just out of steam. You're out of whatever it takes to keep you going. You're out of it. And, and it almost makes you a little angry to look at people that have some energy and some joy. You're just not in that place. And I remember it's, we're coming up to about exactly two years right now uh, for me when I basically just hit a wall. And, uh, and, and I remember, and some of you know, when I, we were at church downtown, uh, you were gracious enough, and, and some of you still don't understand what happened, um, to send me on a sabbatical, a time, time away, um, that, that you were gracious enough to allow me. But I remember um, that moment where just... It, it kind of came on slow, 
and it started with physical issues. I've had troubles with my back for, for years and years, and they were getting worse uh, a couple years ago where, to the point where I just I, I couldn't stand to preach. I had to go home afterwards and lay down and ice things and, and, and just uh, crawl sometimes to, from the car to my house, um, which is not an exaggeration, or sometimes I just stayed in the car for hours to get the strength to get out of the car again. Um, and, and it was just, it wore me down, but it wasn't just physical. What I, what I found was, um, that it was also an emotional and a spiritual draining that I had never experienced before that I, I, some examples, I suppose in understanding that, cause I didn't even really understand what was going on at the time is, um, I just completely lost motivation to, to do anything. I'm a pretty creative fella. I like to think things through, and I like to do new things and, and be trying and beginning starting new things and always praying through that. I just completely had lost any kind of creativity, not only that, but a, a motivation and a desire. And I wasn't angry at God. I wasn't angry at any person. Um, no, one, no one had, um, you know, there, there was no grand that I knew of any intentional sin going on in my life. It just was, I just felt depleted. I, I was still striving to spend time with the Lord and get that renewal, um, and it just wasn't there. And I remember one Sunday morning, it was uh, one of the first couple weeks of March, uh, two years ago now, and I, I in the mornings, uh, downtown, I didn't really have a good office to, to study from, so I spent a lot of time in my car, uh, and, uh, and I would study on Sunday mornings and stuff and pray, and I pulled up into a parking spot on a Sunday morning, uh, and, uh, and, and I pulled up, and I was getting ready to get out, and I just, I couldn't, and it wasn't because of my back, it, you know, my back was rough, but I just, something just wouldn't allow me to move, and I just sat there, and I didn't know what was going on, and I'm fairly emotional if it makes sense, like you can get me to cry if you've got some weepy sob story of some kind, or I'm watching Toy Story or something like that, you know, I can, I can cry over that stuff, but, but I'll tell you, I, I just, there has to be a reason why, uh, you know, I'm a logical emotional person, I'm not an illogical emotional person, uh, I don't understand irrational crying, um, I, I just, it just doesn't make sense to me, and and I began to just cry. And I didn't know what happened. And I'm just sitting there and I'm thinking, what in the world's wrong with me? And then I started thinking back uh, about six years prior to that where I was in a ministry that was not healthy. And I remember hitting a wall in that ministry that this stuff started to happen. But that kind of made sense to me because I didn't feel like I was in a healthy spot. I didn't feel like the ministry was healthy. I didn't think that my leadership people were following it. There was just some outright rudeness and meanness and hatred toward our family. And, and it felt like depression was okay. It felt like it was natural at that point, and, 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 and I accepted it, but this was different because there wasn't anything really going wrong. God was working, and God was moving, uh, and, and God was about things, but I just felt depleted, and, and I didn't understand why, and I just sat, and I remember saying to myself out loud after I cried and said, Lord, what's wrong with me? I'm weird. I, you know what's happening, and, uh, and I just remember, I said out loud, okay, time to put on your big boy pants uh, and, and get out of the truck go to work, and that's what it felt like, just going to work, and I stepped out, and I preached that morning, and I, I tell you, I love Jesus, and I wasn't angry at God, I just didn't understand what was going on, and, and my wife quickly recognized that there was something a matter with, to, uh, wrong with me, and, and, I, and I took a little time off, 
uh, and, and she called the elders of the church and she said, if Rob could just get some downtime before Easter, I think that would be healthy. And the guys graciously said, go, 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 get, get them refreshed. So I left for about a week and when I was coming back and I, I had thought, okay, I'm ready. Easter Sunday's coming up. I'm in my car and I'm driving home and I'm thinking about Easter. And I'll tell you, the only message that could come to mind on Easter of what I was going to preach on, and normally I was way ahead on Easter of what I'm going to talk about, the only one that could come to mind, the verse was Jesus hanging on the cross saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I thought, <laughs> I don't necessarily feel that way. Why am I being motivated? I don't feel like God's abandoned me. This is not going to be a very fun Easter um, if this is what's on my heart. And once again, the waterworks just started, and I just started crying, and, and I didn't know what was wrong with me. It's just depression and, and just not knowing how to fix it or what was wrong. And I called my dad, and, uh, and I cleaned, you know, wiped the tears off, and I said, hey, what's up, Dad? And he said, hey. And I said, what are you guys doing for Easter? This is me driving back from this time of refreshment. And I said, what are you guys doing for Easter? And he said, we're just going to come up and hang out with you guys. Well, that's great. I said, that's awesome. Can you bring a message with you to preach? <laughs> and, uh, and he said, my dad's a pastor, just so you know, in case you didn't know that. Um, so that wasn't too un, un, out of the ordinary. But uh, anyway, he said, because if a pastor's willing on Easter Sunday morning to give up his pulpit, um, he knew something was wrong. And he said, you're not any better, are you? He said, you're not doing well. And I just like I want to now, just thinking about it. And I, I said, no. I said, I don't know what's wrong. And he said, you just need rest. You need rest. You need time to restore and, and, and re understand your purpose, to understand your mission, to understand what God's calling you to do. And I remember walking through that season, and, and you all were gracious. I had a back surgery, and I walked through some stuff. But I, I'll tell you, one of my, the, the greatest points of that whole time was not my back surgery. It was actually God revealing sin in my life that I didn't realize I was really dealing with as I was. And my greatest two sins that I still struggle with, but I think I have a little better handle on them at this point, are really, one is pride. And yeah, I've thought about, I think a good bit about myself. You look at me and say, why? I, you know, I, I, why does that guy think anything? I don't know. God's weird. He's got a sense of humor. Uh, but, uh, I, I, you know, I, I feel like I can do some things. And uh, sometimes I fight with I can do that better than anyone. Um, and, and that's there. But this wasn't that kind of pride. I knew that was there and was always battling that. This pride was, this is mine. This is my church. This is my vision. This is my thing. And when we were downtown, there's the pressure of feeling. I don't know if you know pastors and how some guys carry things, but there's a lot of weight that you carry in saying, I got this started. It's mine to make sure it doesn't fall apart. And that becomes very prideful to walk in that, to, to realize if this fails, it's all on my shoulders. Is that reality? Well, some people may think that, but it's not reality. It's on God. If God starts something, it's God, on God to complete it. So he was hitting me with pride. He was also hitting me with trust. 
Because when we would step out and God would put something in front of us and I would pray, and I have big faith that God can do anything at any point in time with anyone, no matter what, and I believe God can do great things. But, but what I do sometimes is after I proclaim this in faith and God begins to work, if he's not working as quickly as I would like, I like to step in and I like to say, well, let me help you out, God, uh, because you probably don't remember what our plan was. Um, let me remind you. Um, and I try to force things and push things and God's just was beating me up and honestly what it just felt like for weeks and weeks and weeks of that sabbatical is God was taking me to the woodshed if, if you're younger that means I got a whooping um, maybe that doesn't even ring a bell it, it was something that you know you got a, a corporal punishment um, uh, what do they call that today but he put me over his knee I got a, I got lots of spankings um, and it's funny because as I process and look back what I recognize is that I was not struggling with understanding I was on purpose. I've never really struggled with that. I, I've, I've never had that battle, and some people do. We all struggle in different ways. But, but some, of us, some of us really wonder what our value is. If anything, I struggle on the other side that God's really made me, and I'm really valuable, and he really needs me. Um, and I've got to get through those kind of things. But, but I've never really struggled with if God's called me, that I'm his masterpiece, I'm his creation, and he's going to use me. I've never really struggled with that. But the, 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 the deal with it is if you desire to have endurance to run the the race. If you desire to get to the place that God desires us to be in following Him and living for Him, understanding our purpose is not really the end result of endurance. And, and, and purpose and endurance don't go together. So endurance isn't found knowing your purpose. And endurance is actually found in knowing your pursuit. What you're pursuing. You could say it this way. Endurance isn't necessarily found in knowing your design. Endurance is found in knowing your destination. That if, if I want to have what I need, if I want to keep myself from getting depleted and being wiped out and completely useless to God, I've got to understand purpose, yes, but I have to understand that I'm supposed to be pursuing something that does not just satisfy me, but the pursuit is greater than me. It really becomes what my mission is in life. Why am I doing what I'm doing? What, what am I supposed to be doing? And if I understand what I'm supposed to be doing, then all of a sudden the purpose becomes clear. And when I understand what my mission is, that I'm on a specific mission, now I understand how I'm supposed to run the race. And we, we read the verse in, in, in Hebrews last week, chapter 12. And I want to read this again to us. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, and I want you to connect that. Life of faith means that there's faith. There's, you have faith in God, that God has designed you, that God created you, that you have purpose. This life of purpose you've been giving by trust in God, you have faith in Him. This life of purpose, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to this life that we're living, that we're called to, to this purpose. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, who is the champion, who initiates and perfects our faith. This is key. 
If we want to understand what our mission is, what, right here what we have is we said, run the race with endurance that God set before us. And what is that race that God set before us? What's the prize in front of us? So start thinking just for a second about a runner. A runner can understand that they are born to run. Now, this is not me, just so you know. I am not born to run. I've been born to sit on a couch. Um, that's, that's what I've been born to do. No, I mean, some, some people have bodies that are made certain wires, and they do a certain thing, and they're built in a certain way. And, and if you've ever met a runner, you know a runner. They just love to run. And I get out, and it clears my mind. And I'm thinking, all I can think is, ouch, 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 ouch. That's all I think when I run. So some people, though, they're just like oh it's like freedom and once you hit that 26th mile my back hurts sitting 26 miles in a car I cannot imagine what it feels like to run that but people are wired but they understand their purpose but what you could do if you ask or talk to a runner is a runner can run and there's an enjoyment to running but if they're running a race they've kind of got to know where the end is at because the way you pace yourself and the way you, you, I'm talking as though I know what I'm talking about. I just, this is hearsay. Um, but uh, if you know where the end is at, you know what your end game is, you're going to have a little more endurance to, to, to complete the race. If you're able to say, okay, this, this one is a 5K. This one's, a, this one's the big one. This is a 26 miler here. I, I've got to make this thing out and I'm going to lay out before me, okay, I've got this marker and I you know the course does this. There's a hill here. I've got to reserve some energy for that and then I get over here and then when I get to this mile marker I know I can open it up because I know you know and it's endurance and they say that I can pace myself in order to be, be able to make it but a runner won't do very well no matter how much they were designed to run if they don't know the destination of where they're going they're going to run out of steam because they're not going to prepare themselves for it this is the race of being a follower of Jesus Christ of a child of God that we're called to understand how to endure. And Paul says, we do this. We run this race by endurance. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. So ultimately, for a Christian, if you want to know how to have endurance, you just got to keep your eyes on Jesus and understand that the actual mission is Jesus. The actual purpose, you know, our purpose was given by God. We're designed and created, but our purpose was then, we're created by God, we're made by God, we're made on purpose. We were no accident, but the purpose of the creation was to glorify God. We glorify God through Jesus Christ. So Jesus becomes the mission for which we are running. We're on mission on purpose. We're on purpose, and we're on mission. And the mission is Jesus. Now, th think about it this way. What gets you off track of your mission? Because if Jesus is the mission, then you say, well, we know that, right? As, as Christians, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've been here for a while, you say, I know what my mission is. It's to love Jesus. Yay! But let's be honest, because I know that, and... I've found a couple times in my life that I just was completely depleted and out of steam, and I knew Jesus was the mission. And I knew I should be seeking Jesus, yet I still felt depleted spiritually, physically, emotionally. I was completely wiped out. I didn't seem to have the endurance that I needed. 
So what, what do we see here? Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. If we want to have endurance, it goes back to this. Let us strip off the weight that slows us down. So what would we think? What kind of weight would slow us down from the mission? Maybe a weight that the world would say, hey, that's not your mission. This is your mission. So a lot of times we look at what's going on around us in the world, and rather than our eyes being set on Jesus, eternity with Jesus and spending eternity with him and living for him now so that we have the blessings of eternity promised to us, instead of living in that way, I get sidetracked and a weight that slows me down is fame. A weight that slows me down is finances or security in this earth. A weight that may slow me down is me desiring to receive the praise and applause of man and the accolades of man or or the affirmation of man rather than God. Things that slow us down are just things that say, oh, what's that? You know, it's like the shiny thing. Squirrel. And, and, you know, it's a, look, look over here. These are things that slow us down. Those are things that weight us down so that we can't keep our eyes. And, and yeah, we're not completely going away from Jesus, but we're weighted, and we're kind of just weighted to one side. We're pulling this way, and we're pulling off course, and we lose steam because we keep allowing these things to weight us down, and we're getting heavier and heavier, and we're trying to gear, gear back toward Christ, but we're being weighted down, so we run out of steam. And the other thing that he says very clearly is, Set aside the sin that so easily entangles us. And for me, I I felt like when God disciplined me, it was so much of this relief to say, this is not mine. This is not my church. This is not my vision. This is not my responsibility. I don't have to make sure the offering is so much money so we can get this in or do that. All I have to do is trust God and allow Him to do the work. It's His church. You're His people. You're not my people. And this is God's vision for His church, not my vision for His church. And if God wants to carry out His vision, and God has a plan for you to be here, even the weight of people who come and go through the church because the door sometimes swings a little faster in the back door than the front door swinging. But if I allow that to weigh me down, and I allow that to sap all of my energy and strength, and I begin to take my eyes off the mission Because you're not mine, you're God's. And for us, I think we need to understand that discipline, when God brings discipline in our life to point out sin, sometimes that's a place for you that is God's best. The best thing God did for me two years ago was to wipe me out, take me out, let me rest, let me breathe, and point out to me what was wrong with me. That was his best for me at that time. And and, and what's interesting about this is Paul goes right into this next. In verse 5, he says, you know, verse verse 1, he says, set off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Verse 5, he says, and have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my children, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each Uh, Each one he accepts as his child. Verse 11, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. And I'll tell you what I experienced 
was a peaceful harvest, and I am experiencing it right now, a peaceful harvest of right living after the Lord set me aside to show me some things that needed to be corrected in my life. And if we can navigate these times as understanding that when God disciplines us for sin, and when we feel like, oh, what is God doing? I don't feel the blessings of God. I don't notice that. I just feel like I'm walking through pain. We begin to evaluate, what is it that God's trying to teach me? And the purpose of Him trying to teach you that is so that you can throw aside then that sin and that weight that is getting you off track. You can put your eyes and your focus back on mission because when you understand the mission of where He desires you to go, you'll have endurance to run the race. And this is what God wants to teach us collectively. Paul's explaining this to the church to say, if you feel like God's beaten you up, if you feel like you've been taken to the woodshed, praise the Lord because He wants to do something in you. He desires the best for you. And He desires for you not only to know you're on mission, but to know that you are or on, not only that you're on purpose, but to know that you are on mission. And here's, here's the thing we need to understand. If you are on purpose, but off mission, you will never experience God's best. So God's best for you becomes clear when you live on purpose here. And, I didn't finish it all last week, that's not the end of it. And on mission. God's purpose will become clear, God's best for you will become clear when you live on purpose here and on mission. And the problem with so many of us is that we can say, in most churches they seem to be in this place, that we can say, oh I know I have a purpose, I know God's called me to big things, I know that I'm the masterpiece of God and we are the body of Christ, and the church will say all these things and everyone knows it, but they're not carrying out the mission of God, so they're missing the blessing of God. Their eyes aren't on Jesus. Their eyes are on all kinds of other things. And they feel like they should be okay because they just believe that they are designed by God. And there's a lot of people in the world that believe God created them just like they are in their own mind, but they're wholly missing God's best for their life because they don't understand that the mission then is Jesus. So I have purpose, but purpose coupled with mission. Give me endurance to run the race. And they give me endurance to run the right race. Say, well, then what is the mission? How do we clarify what that mission is? You can just say Jesus, and we're like, yeah, Jesus. Yay, Jesus. But it has to go beyond just Jesus and understanding what about Jesus. Number one, we love Jesus. Love Jesus. It's just as simple as that to begin with. What, what, how is my mission Jesus? Well, love Him. Give Him your heart. Trust in Him. Give Him your everything. And, and, and agree, tell Him, I know you may be on purpose. You created me in your image. Now I love you. But it's not just enough to love. You prove your love by the way you live. So you love Jesus and you live Jesus. You have to begin to look like Jesus. And if you don't desire to look like Jesus, I would question whether or not you love Jesus. Because if you love him, he says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. 
You'll begin to allow me to transform and renew your heart and your mind. You'll allow me to start working in your life. So we love Jesus, we live Jesus, and then we give Jesus. That's the mission. The whole mission of why you exist, why God created you in His image, why you were knit together in your mother's womb, why you are here is to bring glory to God. That's done through love Jesus, live Jesus, give Jesus. That's it. So if you want to think about it this way, think about on purpose. On purpose is is me, right? It's me understanding that God created me. It's me understanding that he has a design and a plan for my life. That's me. I can take comfort in the fact that I'm a masterpiece of God, that I'm a child of the King of kings, the Lord of lords. It's me. On purpose is me. On mission is others. On on purpose is here. On mission is there. Because if I really believe that Jesus created me and designed me and everything else, then I've got to turn that out so it begins to help others see the same thing. And it's the same for the church. It's the same thing for for the whole church design. On purpose for us is to recognize that God created us. We are called the bride of Christ. We're also called the body of Christ. We have many different illustrations, but God created us. He brought this church together. He brought Church United together. You are in this building today. You are part of this church today on purpose that God brought you here, that he led you here, that he is a design. We are here in this mall on purpose. We are here in this community on purpose. We are here on purpose, and God's going to do something great if then we shift that mission for, or that purpose from just being about, yay, God loves us, to now what's he want us to do? That's on mission. On purpose is here for our church. On mission is being sent. So what I understand in this building is we come, we're fed, we're excited, we're pumped up. We even invite friends that maybe not know Jesus to bring them in this place to be loved on. Understand they are here on purpose. But then we go and we are sent on mission to love Jesus, to live Jesus, and to give Jesus to the world. That's what it's about. And here's what I love. When when, when we read after Paul talks all about this painful discipline, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. He says this, verse 12, So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Anyone relate? Tired hands, weak knees. And he says, Mark out a straight path for your feet. So that those who are weak and lame will not fall, but will become strong. What Paul is telling us here is mark out a straight path. What is that? It's understand what your mission is. Understand what you are here for. Why did God place you here? You're here on purpose. You can know you're on purpose. We're a community of faith that we love Jesus. We desire to serve him. We agree that he's created us. Now mark out the straight path so that we know where to go. What's the mission in front of us? To love Jesus, to live Jesus, to give Jesus. That's the mission of the church, the mission of every individual. So we mark out a straight path. And what happens is when we mark out this straight path, So that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. 
It's not just for us that we do this. But when we're on mission and we understand our purpose and our mission and we go into the world with that, we strengthen others who are lost. We are helping others up around us. We are pointing others to their purpose and their mission through Jesus Christ. So the gospel is not just for you. It's for others too. Understanding purpose is not just for you. It's for others too. Understanding mission is not just for you. It's for others too. And we begin to understand what God has created us to be. And then we start doing it. If you want endurance, you lay aside those sins and you allow God to sift through your life. And you lay aside those sins that so easily entangle. You set down those weights that so easily distract us. And you put your eyes and focus your eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. And you run that race toward Jesus. And you will never fail. You'll never wear out if you allow the process of God to refine you. And here's the last little piece. I just want us to go back. I just want us to see this because this is huge. Verse 12. This is my translation. A New Living Translation says, take a new grip with your tired hands. Now some of your... Some of your versions may say, strengthen your hands. This word strengthen, and and why it got translated to new grip, is the actual translation is, let me look again, I already forgot. It's really good though, and I'll tell you in a second. (laughs) It literally means build anew. You like that? Build anew. If you're tired... If you're wore out, if your hands, take a new grip, or build a new. Start again. Hit the reset button. Do you guys, I'll show a little age here. There was this wonderful movie back in the 80s. I think it was the 80s, maybe early 90s, I don't know, but with Sylvester Stallone, and it was over the top. Oh, man, what a good movie. So he's a truck driver and a professional arm wrestler. Okay, and, and this, this was good stuff. Matt, I need your help for a minute. Oh, yeah? yeah, yeah, I do. It's going to be good. So, so, yeah, come on up here. So, so here we are, and say this is not a professional arm wrestling table by any means, and we're not really going to arm wrestle, so don't, you'll win. We already settled that. Matt's going to win. But, so they would get their arms down like this. So, so we stick our arm in here, and they do this, and, 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 and the, the, the the deal would start, the whole competition or whatever, and you're winning. So I'm, I'm, I'll be rocky in this. So you're, you're, you're winning. Uh, and he's, I'm going down. And now, now, pause, pause. Okay. So now he realizes, oh, no, something big's about to happen here. I'm about to lose. I can't lose. My mission is to win. And he would do this. And you'd see his hand go up like this. And he would go. And it was all like slow motion. The camera would pile it. Like these people need to see that over there. So it would be like this. And, and, and he would take his hands. And do, you re- do you even remember this? And he would do this. And the music would crank up. And then he would take that. A new grip. A new grip for his tired hands. And boom, the guy, the fear strikes your eyes, Matt. Oh, that's good. <laughs> boom. Dun, 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 dun. I'm mixing a little Rocky and over the top, but that's okay. Boom. And he slams it down. Everyone goes, thank you, Matt. Good job. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. 
It's a, it's a new grip for the tired hand. And Rocky exemplifies this, or Sylvester Sloan, whatever his name is, truck guy. And, and he just takes this thing, new grip, and he says, this is it. I'm starting over. The, 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 the battle has been poorly fought so far, but I'm not going to lose this thing because I'm going to shift. I'm going to lay aside everything that's been distracting me, putting me to the side. I'm going to focus on my mission, and I'm going to take a new grip for tired hands. And some of us are tired. Some of us are so wore out. And you've been in other church ministries before and maybe you're kind of new here and you're like, man, I served in this other ministry and Pastor Rob, I'm tired. And I just came here to rest. There may be a season of rest that God has you in, but it's not going to be a perpetual season of rest. God takes us through seasons, but He desires for us in those seasons to seek His face to begin to determine what are the things, what are the sins that are so easily entangling me, what weights need to be laid aside because I shouldn't get tired like this. With the power and the strength of Christ, I should have the endurance to run the race to the end. And if I don't have this endurance, there's something wrong because Jesus promises the endurance. So what do I need? I need a new grip for tired hands. And you say, I, 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 God's, not, God's done with me. I'm coaching. I did my big thing, Pastor Rob. I was, I was there. I served in this ministry before. I wish you could have seen me in my prime. I was really rolling. I'm telling you, your life is not over. Your ministry's not over. God is doing new things, and God desires to do a new thing. In, in, in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19, he says, God says, For I am about to do something new. See, I've already begun. You, don't, don't you see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can be refreshed. Do you want to be refreshed? Do you desire refreshment? In that dry wasteland, God declares He is doing a new thing. And where you feel dry, where you feel worn out, where you feel less, God desires to do something new in you. And, and here's what you need to know. That's not just an Old Testament promise. We see it in other places. And you say, I'm tired. Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, don't lose heart outwardly. You're wasting away inwardly. You're being renewed every day. First Peter Chapter 1, he says, he's given us a new birth into a living hope. Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, trust in the Lord, he'll give you new strength. Ephesians chapter 4 says, the Spirit will renew your thoughts, he'll renew your attitude, he'll give you, uh, he'll make you a new, uh, or give you a new nature inside of you. God desires to do something new in you. God desires to give you a new grip for your tired hands. And you say, well, I've, I've, I've messed up. I've done too much wrong. Lamentations chapter 3, God's mercies are new every morning. He wants to do something new in you. Your sin can't separate you from the love of God. Jesus Christ came on purpose, on mission, 
to eradicate the sins of man for those who believe in Him. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, I will give you a new heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, believe in Jesus and you are made a new creation. Behold, all the old has passed away and all things become new. New. He wants to make in you a new creation. He wants you to give you a new grip for your tired hands. You say, well, well, that's God's thing to do new. Well, it says in John 13, a new commandment I give to you. So he's giving you a new commandment. He's giving you a new mission. Love people. He says, love one another. And then we see in Psalm 96 verse 1 and all through the Psalms, sing a new song to the Lord. He wants to do something new in you. He desires to refresh you, to renew your strength. And, 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 and then you say, well, well, okay, if that's the deal that God wants to do those new things, I think that was part of the Bible and that was written a long time ago and there's nothing new. Well, in the Bible it even talks about things that haven't happened yet. And in, in, in Revelation chapter 5, this is the future to come. That they says they sang a new song to the Lord. It says in Revelation 21.1, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Revelation 21.5, God says, Look, I am making everything new. And we're tired. And we're wore out. And we're exhausted. And we don't like new. But God, no matter what you've been through or where you've been in the past, if you desire to see God's best and experience God's best for you, you have to understand that you're on purpose, but you also have to understand you must be on mission. Love Jesus. Live like Jesus. Give Jesus. And it's time for a new grip for the tired hands. And God desires to do new things. And if we allow him, church, I'm telling you, God will do something new in you. When you allow him to sift you, when you allow him to pick you apart and say, hey, here's what needs to change. Here's the sin that you've been so easily entangled with. And you say, Lord, if, it's, if it doesn't look like you, I don't want it. I don't desire it. Let me set aside this weight. Let me throw aside everything that so easily trips me up, Lord, so that I can put my focus and my attention on you. Lord, take that from me and help me to understand that your best for me can be found in discipline. But it's only a season. And God, you desire after that season to do a new thing in me. Can you imagine that God wants to use you? That not only are you created by him on purpose, but he desires to use you to carry his love and his light to a lost and dying world that doesn't believe that they even have purpose. God wants to use you to do that. God desires to begin the work in you and in this church. 
I believe God is doing a new thing. But we have to be on board with that. We have to say collectively, God, we want to see you do something new. That we believe you've placed us here in this community, in this building, in this location on purpose. That this was no accident that we are here today, God. And there's no accident that I'm in this space today, God. So you want to do something new in me? I want to be on mission for you. Create in me a clean heart. Make me renew. Restore me. Let me rise up and mount up on eagle's wings. He wants to renew your strength. He wants to give you a new heart. He wants to give you new purpose. He wants to give you new mission. He wants to change the world through us. And he wants to make other hearts new because of you. The question is, will we allow him? Are we ready?